Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 110 of the Money Love Podcast. All right, y'all, we are going to talk about something today that I just find utterly fascinating. It's something that I have definitely fallen victim to in the past. It's something that I still fall victim to today moving forward that I have to work on and I have to kind of check myself when I find my brain going there. And I also know that this is the case with you guys because you tell me, right? You tell me when I'm coaching with you. I see you guys talking about this in my DMs, on social media, within the Overcoming Overspending community. And that is something that is called the arrival fallacy. This may be something that you've never heard this term before, but I guarantee you by the end of this episode, or at least by the time I explain what this is to you, you're going to be like, oh yeah, (laughs) I definitely do that. And we fall victim to the arrival fallacy in a lot of areas of our life. In fact, in most areas of our lives, because I think it's just the way that we are conditioned to think about goals and the achievement of goals, whether it's a health goal or if it's a career goal or maybe it's a relationship goal or a relationship status you're trying to get to. But I also find that the arrival fallacy is something that is so prevalent and so prominent with money and with our finances and also specifically with the things that we own and possess and acquire, which means that the arrival fallacy is going to have a huge impact and is going to be a huge determinant of how you choose to not only manage, but spend your money. So this is going to be an episode that I definitely think is going to open your eyes to this and show you if this is something that you've been doing. So I'm going to explain to you what the arrival fallacy is. I'm also going to explain the psychology behind it, like I always try to do, so that you have a better understanding of why our brains work the way that they do, so that you have a baseline of awareness to go off of. And then, of course, like I always try to do, I'm going to give you some actionable tips that you can take with you by the end of this episode to kind of keep the arrival fallacy in check, just to make sure that whether it's with your finances or elsewhere in your life, you are not falling into this cognitive bias. All right, so let's start here. What is the arrival fallacy? The arrival fallacy describes this commonly held illusion that once we make it, once we attain a goal, once we reach a destination that we're striving for, that the achieving of it will give us lasting happiness and fulfillment. So typically, you know that you are falling victim to the arrival fallacy when you are in the if-then mindset. So if this happens, if I'm able to achieve this, or when, when I'm able to do this, when I'm able to create this result, then I will feel fill in the blank. Then I will feel happy. Then I will feel secure. Then I will feel successful. So here are just some common examples that I see with you guys and finances. Once I'm making a certain amount of money, then I will finally feel secure or I will finally feel successful. So once I'm making six figures, I'll finally feel like I've made it. I'll finally feel secure at that level. 
once I have enough money to buy blank, once I'm able to buy my dream car, buy my dream house. Another big one that I hear is once I'm debt-free. So when I am debt-free, when I have all my credit card debt paid off or when I have my student loans paid off, then I will finally feel unburdened. Then I will finally get to feel relaxed and stress-free. It could be once I get the promotion, once I get a certain job, once I get a certain title, once I have a certain degree or a certain certification, then I will be able to feel, again, fill in the blank. It could be anything. It's basically saying once this thing in my external world happens, then I will be able to feel something. Now, if you've been here in the podcast for any amount of time, you can probably very quickly see the inherent issue with the arrival fallacy. Because with the arrival fallacy, we are placing responsibility for our emotional state in something in our outside world. And typically what that looks like is the achievement of a goal, the achievement of a financial goal, the change in a relationship status, the acquisition of something, the acquisition of the new car, the new house, or it could be the acquisition of a degree or a certification. But what we're essentially saying is that once my external world changes, whether it's something that I buy or acquire, or whether it's a goal that I set for myself and I'm able to hit, the achievement of that or the acquiring of that will then deliver an emotional experience to me. By me explaining it that way, if you've been here for any amount of time, what you're basically saying is that your circumstance is going to create a feeling for you, which in our model, our CTFAR, we know can't happen. We know that circumstances do not have the ability to deliver emotional experiences to us because our emotions and our feelings actually come from our thinking. It comes from what goes on inside of our head. And so sometimes we get confused because oftentimes when we do maybe change our external circumstances, when we hit the goal that we've set out to accomplish, when we finally have the thing in our possession that we've always wanted, our thinking around that will change. But oftentimes we're not paying attention to how our thinking has changed. We're simply just noticing how our external world is different now. And so we tend to attribute the change in emotions to what's changed in our external world. So the arrival fallacy is this illusion that by achieving a certain goal, by acquiring something, by changing a circumstance, you will suddenly get to feel the way that you want to feel, which for most of us, I would say the most predominant emotion here is happiness, fulfillment, success, or achievement. And I think with money, another big one is safety, security, and I'll even say status. Those are probably the biggest emotions that we are chasing after when we are trying to hit a financial goal that we've set for ourselves. Now, the guy who is responsible for essentially discovering this, his name is Ben Shahar. I hope I'm saying that correctly. But he has commonly mentioned that the arrival fallacy has often commonly been experienced by celebrities and also by other highly successful people who actually, after achieving their goal or reaching the milestone that they had been striving to for so long that they thought was going to be the ticket to their happiness, they actually end up experiencing mental illness or even substance abuse after achieving their dreams, right? 
There's one well-known example of this. His name was Ray Allen. He was a well-known player in the NBA, and he actually ended up winning an NBA championship. And this is what he had to say after the fact, after winning that championship. He said, as the days wore on, there was a part of me that felt empty. I had always believed that when you win a championship, you're transported to some new exalted place. What I realized was that you are the same person you were before. And that if you are not content with who you are, a championship or any accomplishment isn't going to change that. And that's something that I'm commonly telling you guys, right? Is that we often incorrectly assume that it's the destination that's going to deliver the emotional experience to us. And we magically think that when we reach the finish line that our brains are just going to change. Like we're going to wake up overnight and be a completely different person simply with the change in circumstance or simply with the achievement of the goal. And y'all have heard me talk about this many times, but it's like whenever you get to where you want to be, whenever you get to the income level that you want to be at, whenever you get the debt paid off, whenever you get the promotion or the title or the certification that you've been working towards for so long, you don't just suddenly wake up with a new brain. How you feel on the way there is how you're going to feel when you arrive. And that's kind of what he said. Like, if you're not content with who you are when you start, the accomplishment of the goal or the change in the financial circumstance isn't just magically going to change that. Another study, here are just some other examples for you guys. Another study found that assistant professors commonly made the prediction that when they received tenure, that that would strongly influence their long term happiness. But later on in this study, when they went back and checked if it actually had that effect, it was found that there was no significant difference in happiness levels between those who had and those who had not been awarded tenure. You also see this with lottery winners. There seems to be a lot of the things that we talk about in lottery winners, which I just find fascinating. But a lot of us think, and we would incorrectly assume, that life would be much better off following a big lottery win. But there's actually been a study done on this, and the study found that major lottery winners were not any happier than control subjects that lived nearby them. And worse off, lottery winners took significantly less pleasure from a series of mundane events, which suggests that lottery winners' emotional well-being actually was probably negatively impacted by the huge arrival of that wealth which again is a common occurrence when we tie our happiness to the achievement of a goal. Now, for a second, let's talk about why do we do this, right? Like why do our human brains make this error in judgment? So there's a couple reasons. Firstly, this has actually been studied. This is a part of psychology, I guess you could say, that is called effective forecasting which is really our ability to forecast how we are going to feel about certain events. And there's actually been a lot of studies that have shown that as human beings, we're actually pretty terrible at this. We are actually pretty bad about imagining how something is going to make us feel in the future. Our assumptions about how something is going to make us feel, whether good or bad, typically tends to be pretty inaccurate. This is because of something called the impact bias. The impact bias is a cognitive bias. All right. Now I've talked about cognitive biases before, but remember cognitive biases are 
essentially errors in the way that we think when we are processing or interpreting information around us. So the impact bias is a type of cognitive bias, but what the impact bias says is that when we think about the impact that future events will have on us emotionally, either positively or negatively, we tend to overestimate the intensity and the duration of the emotion. And this works with both positive and negative events. So to kind of say that another way, we overestimate the positive impact that the accomplishment of a goal will have on our life. So we think that the accomplishment of a goal or finally getting something that we've wanted for a really long time in our minds before it happens, we inflate that experience and we think it's going to make us much happier than it actually makes us for much longer than it truly lasts in real life. Now, you have to remember, though, that as human beings, we are designed for desire. We are designed to be unsatisfied with the state of our life and with the state of the world and to always be pushing and growing and wanting and chasing for something more. That is how, as human beings, we have been designed to evolve. We have been programmed to always be working towards that next goal. And really, our natural inclination is dissatisfaction with the status quo versus being content and grateful for what we have in this moment. But this is really just the result of like millions of years of evolution of the human race, of us in the past living amidst scarcity as a species for, you know, collective history. And we love the chase. We love to constantly be going after things. And we really, really struggle just to be content, at least for any significant duration with the reward that we get. And this is the thing that I am always talking to you guys about, which is just the hamster wheel, right? This hamster wheel that we always feel like we are constantly on where we are just chasing one thing, whether it's something we want to buy or acquire, or if it's a goal that we want to set and we're constantly chasing it and it's the sole thing in our focus. And we're always telling ourselves, okay, once I get this thing or once I accomplish this thing, that's it. I'm going to be done. I'm going to be so much happier. It's the last thing I'm ever going to want. But then, of course, we all know what happens. We get the thing or we accomplish the goal. The novelty wears off, the allure wears off, and the dissatisfaction with status quo starts to set in. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's how we are designed to work because if you really think about it, without desire or even without dissatisfaction with the status quo as a human race, we would have never evolved. Without desire and dissatisfaction of how things currently are, we would still be living in caves with no electricity, no technology, no cars, none of the modern day luxuries that we have to this day. If you were a person who felt like you had arrived and there was nowhere else for you to go, there was no more evolvement or no more chase for you, so to speak, you would stop looking for challenges and you would stop looking for hard things to do, which would be such a shame because that's how we evolve as a human race. So while it's a good thing and it can help us grow and evolve, it also makes it very challenging for us just to find contentment and gratitude with where we're at in this moment. 
So in neuroscience terms, our wanting drive is a lot more powerful than our liking drive. We are designed to want things that we don't currently have versus liking and using and finding value and beauty in the things that we already have. So then it kind of gets into the question of like, okay, well then do goals even matter? Like Paige, if you're telling me that the achievement of my goal isn't what's going to make me happy. So then why even bother setting goals? Should we even do that? And should we even bother with it and worry about it? I still think that the answer to that question is yes. I'm not saying that goals aren't important because I do think that goals define the paths that we take in life and the processes that we're going to undertake in our day-to-day world. And I also do think that it just feels good. Like it feels good to set a goal and work after it and achieve it. We get rewarded. We get endorphins when we accomplish a goal. But also don't ever forget that when you go out to achieve a goal or when you set a goal for yourself, I think it's always really important to remind yourself and to anchor back into the fact that you're not setting the goal because you want the outcome or the result of the goal. That's not really what you're after. You're not really after the result of the goal. You are after the emotional experience that you think that the goal is going to deliver to you once it's achieved and accomplished. So you don't want to lose 50 pounds just to be able to say that you lost 50 pounds or even to be able to step onto the scale and see a number that's 50 pounds lower than what you're at right now. What you really want is you want the emotional experience of how you think you're going to feel once you weigh 50 pounds less. You don't really want the debt to be gone for the sake of just having the debt gone or making six figures just for the sake of being able to say that you make six figures. What you're really after is the safety and the security of what you think being debt-free will deliver to you or what you think it's going to be like as someone who makes six figures and has six figures worth of a salary sitting in your bank account or available to you to leverage as a resource. That's what you're truly after. You are after the emotional experience of the result of the goal rather than just the goal itself. And I think it's so, so critical that we remember that because that's the trap. The trap is thinking that it's the achievement of the goal that's going to provide lasting satisfaction to you instead of realizing that what provides the lasting satisfaction to you of how you really want to feel is not the achievement of the goal or the arrival at the destination. It's how you spend your time and energy in the day-to-day pursuit of the result or pursuit of the goal. I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but one of the biggest things I want you to take from this episode today is that in life, it doesn't matter what you're working towards, whether it's a health goal, a relationship status, a financial goal, it's not actually about the achievement of the goal. It's about the pursuit of the goal and the journey towards the result. Let's spend the rest of the episode. I want to give you five tips that you can use and take from this episode to kind of keep yourself out of the arrival fallacy. Now, I want to say this. Just because you have these tips does not mean that your brain isn't going 
to go here. All of our brains have been programmed and conditioned for our entire lives to associate achievement with feeling a certain way, with making a certain amount of money, with having a certain amount of resources, with having a number of degrees or certifications behind our name, with being in a certain you know, conventional relationship status. Society has told us that the achievement of these things will deliver an emotional experience to you. That's what consumer culture is. So you are not going to break free of this programming overnight. However, I do think that these tools that I'm going to give you can help you, right? It can help you kind of like snap out of it and be like, oh, here I am. I'm in the arrival fallacy. Let's slow down. Let's bring some awareness to what's going on. And let's walk through these tips to kind of keep me out of this mindset. So The first tip that I want to give you is you just have to be on to your brain and be paying attention to the thoughts and correlations that your brain is making and offering to you. So huge. The best thing that you can do is just to the best of your ability, avoid when then projections. This is what I was saying earlier on in the episode. So when you find yourself saying, I will be happy when, fill in the blank, I will be happy when I get my credit card debt paid off. I will be happy when I make six figures. I will be happy when I finally get a promotion to this title. When you are in when-then projections or if-then projections, you are putting unrealistic pressure on the goal or on the accomplishment of something, which again is just a circumstance, to contribute to your long-term mental well-being. You are assigning these like intense expectations to the completion of the goal that more than likely are going to leave you feeling disappointed, like all of the examples I gave you earlier. And one of the other most helpful things that I think that we can do is just think back to past experiences where this has been true. We live our lives in a world that is constantly telling us these things. It's giving us messages every single day of, When you have this, then you will feel this. When you buy this, then you will feel this. When you accomplish this goal, then you will feel this. That's what we live our lives in. But think back to times where this hasn't been true. Sometimes the best thing that we can do to form new beliefs or at least to get ourselves working down that path is we have to consciously be looking for evidence and examples of where this has fallen short, of where this isn't actually true. So think back to a goal, a destination, an accomplishment that you were working towards that you really felt in the accomplishment of it was going to be the end-all be-all for you. It was going to give you all of these emotions and all of these things that you had been postponing and you were essentially abdicating responsibility for your emotional well-being to the achievement of this result and this goal. And then it didn't happen. Kind of like what that NBA player was saying. Like you thought it was going to be this huge thing, this huge accomplishment that was going to fix everything. And then it didn't. You found yourself feeling sad, feeling uncomfortable, feeling disappointed of like, I thought this was going to be it. And it wasn't. And I feel like all of us have a lot of examples of that that we can clearly point back to, but we just forget those things. So for us, I remember it was like us paying off our debt for years. I thought that that was it. Like once we got our debt paid off, I would never feel, you know, financially insecure again. I would always feel safe. I wouldn't feel financial shame anymore, all of those things. But then we got the debt paid off and nothing changed. I still felt the way that I had always felt about our finances and about our debt. Because remember, the way that you feel on the journey 
the way that you feel on the way there is how you're going to feel when you arrive. So what are some examples for you that you can clearly look back on and say, yes, okay, I can see now that this is true. Even though I live in a world that's telling me the opposite is true because that's what serves the retailers and the marketers is for me to live into that and for me to believe that, where in my life have I seen all of these correlations and all of these assumptions fall short? You have to present yourself with that evidence. All right. So that's the first tip. Get out of using when then projections and also try to find evidence in your past of where this has been true. The second tip I have for you is you have to become somebody who loves the challenge and loves the adversity of the journey. So whenever we start out on this path, many of us just want to get to the end destination. We want to have the seven-figure business. We want to have the six-figure salary. We want to have the body that's 50 pounds lighter. We want to be in the relationship. But many of us don't want to have to go through the work to get there. Part of this work is becoming somebody who can invite in and also enjoy the challenge. Like I have become someone who doesn't shy away from a challenge and I like a challenge and welcome in a challenge because firstly, I believe in my own strength and I believe in my own ability to handle any and all challenges come my way, but also because I understand that the way that you become a strong person, a mentally strong person, an emotionally strong person is that you have to practice your strength in life. And you do that by going through challenging things. Because the more challenging things you do, the stronger that you will get. And the stronger you get, the more challenging things that you will do, which means the more that you're going to grow and expand and the more that you will get in touch with your full capacity as a human being. You don't want your life to be easy. You don't want the result simply to just be given to you because you can't get strong with an easy life. An easy life is not going to encourage you to grow. It will not encourage you to understand yourself on a deep level. And so when you actually start looking at your life in terms of, okay, what are the things that I can do to make myself stronger? What are the things that I can do to make me more of who I am meant to be and to reach my full potential? The answer to that is the journey, the day-to-day steps, habits, missteps, the learnings, the lessons, the challenges that you will face on your way to the goal or on your way to the result that is what will do those things for you. Because all of those things, the missteps, the learnings, the failures, the lessons, those are the things that you're going to come across on the journey rather than the destination. And so that's why so often, I mean, a lot of us, if we're really, really, really being honest, if someone came up to you and said, hey, I will give you $100,000 right now, or I will teach you how to make $100,000, which means that you will be able to continue to make $100,000 for the rest of your life. But it's going to be hard in the beginning and you're not going to know how and it's going to be frustrating and you're going to fail and you're going to make mistakes. And there's going to be a lot of things that you don't know. Which of those options do you choose? Now, I think some people giving into the instant gratification and being short-sighted would choose like, just give me the $100,000. But I think a lot of us, for those of us who are thinking into the future and who also have a desire to be the best version of ourselves, we would say, teach me, teach me how to create $100,000. 
Because once you teach me how to create $100,000, not only can I go out and do it, but I can do it again and again and again and again and again versus just having it given to me. And would that be easier? Yeah, but I'm not going to learn how to do it on the way. So the second option is how you're going to create much more wealth and prosperity for yourself in the long term. I'll say one more thing on this point that I think about like quite often, and I see this on social media a lot. I'm sure you guys see it too, but it's kind of that notion that you don't even realize like when you're in the good old days until you're not in the good old days anymore, right? Like when you're in a period of your life that feels really, really hard and challenging, I find it's often because you are in the thick of it and you are in the journey and you are in the striving and the achievement towards a goal. And when you're in it, it feels awful. And when you're in it, you're like, all I want to do is get there. All I want to do is to be able to say that this debt is gone. All I want to do is just finally be able to say that I've hit this milestone, this revenue milestone in my business. And when we're working ourselves there, it can feel tiresome at times. But oftentimes what I find is like once we achieve the goal, there's kind of this letdown And we look back and we're like, gosh, I would do anything to go back to that period of time where I was working towards that goal. Those were the good old days. And I didn't even realize at the time that I was in the good old days. When I was in college, I actually ran several half marathons. I've never actually run a marathon before, but for a period of time, I ran a lot and I ran several half marathons. And this is just a very clear example to me because when I think about that time, I don't actually think much or at all about the actual half marathon, right? Where like I showed up and I wore the bib and they timed me and I got the t-shirt and all that sort of stuff. When I think about that time in my life, what I actually think the most about are just the training, the day-to-day decisions every day of getting out there and running. And me and my best friend, we did it together. So it's like those memories that I have of her, of meeting her and we would run and we would do these paths and we would talk and we would catch up. And we did that for months, right? Like training for this half marathon. And when I think about my favorite part of that entire journey of like becoming a runner and being somebody who could run, you know, 13 miles without stopping, I hardly ever think about the act of running the half marathon itself. I always think about the journey leading up to that point. So part of this is when you're in those moments and when you're in the thick of it and when you are in the journey, practicing the mindfulness and taking note of what is currently making you happy what is giving you that desire and that fulfillment in this moment, rather than hoping for happiness upon reaching your goal, looking for the positives in your life right now that you are currently experiencing, like let's just call it in the thick of it. So that's my second tip to you is learn to become somebody who can enjoy the challenge of the journey rather than focusing on the destination. The next two have to do with your mindset and your emotions, of course. You know I'm going to talk about this, right? So First, let's talk about your mindset. When you are in the journey, when you are working towards the achievement of something, I really want you to focus on using this time to cultivating the mindset and the identity of the person that you are trying to get to. This is so huge. And please do not forget this step. I think that this is the one thing that people most forget, and it's the slip up that most people make 
that leads to them reaching the destination and feeling very sad, very depressed, very let down. And also that causes them to self-sabotage back to where they were previously before they even started working towards the goal. It's because along the journey, they weren't working on their mindset and they weren't working on their identity on the way to get there. So a very common example I use on this one is like an income goal. If you have an income goal, let's say to just start making $100,000 a year, and right now you're somebody who makes $30,000 a year. While you are working and taking the steps to get your income to that point, also be working on becoming the woman with your mindset and with your identity, becoming the embodiment of the woman who makes $100,000 a year. And a lot of us think that we cannot do that We can't have a $100,000 mindset. We can't have a debt-free mindset until our external world actually represents that. We think that it goes, okay, my external world has to show this and then my mindset can follow, when really how it works is have the mindset first and then the external world will follow. I actually talked a lot about this in the episode that I did a couple months ago with Jermaine Foley about your capacity to have money. But this is so, so huge, y'all. Like wherever you are trying to get to, please take this time to work on your mindset. Because again, your brain isn't just magically going to change overnight with the achievement or with the accomplishment of the goal or with the acquisition of the thing that you want. It's not just a switch that you get to flip on and off in your brain. The brain that you have as you are working yourself there is going to be the brain that you are going to have when you reach the destination. And if you are not doing the mindset work, if you are not working on embodying being that person, the achievement of the goal isn't going to change anything for you. You are still going to have the lack mindset, the scarcity mindset. You're still going to be sad. You're still going to be disappointed. And you're still going to be self-sabotaging because you haven't done that work. So what I always say is it's the who over the what, always along the journey. I want to be focused on who am I becoming in this process versus being focused on what am I trying to accomplish? I want to be focused on who is the type of person that lives this life and embodies this end result. So a good way to kind of do this and a good place to start is think about what you want to accomplish. If you want to make six figures, what does that person look like? And really get specific on how her mindset works. How does she think? What is her relationship with money? What are her beliefs around money? Someone who is debt-free, answer those questions for them as well. Start embodying that today versus waiting until you get there to start to do that work. I mentioned this in the episode with Jermaine, but what we want to do is we want to work on our identity. Even if we don't have the evidence to support it yet, that's okay. We can still do that. Like I tell y'all, there's no belief police. There's no thought police that are going to come arrest you because you're having thoughts that your external environment doesn't support yet and you don't have evidence for yet. But you want your reality catching up to your identity. You do not want your identity trying to catch up to your reality because that's where all sorts of issues and the self-sabotage comes in. So how can we use this time to cultivate the identity of the person that I'm trying to become 
so that you can easily step into future you with ease and alignment when that day comes. Now, the fourth tip that I have for you has everything to do with emotions. All right, now this is the other big one. Do not, whatever you do, do not postpone happiness, success, security, fill in the blank, or any emotion that you think that the achievement of the goal will deliver to you to a future moment. You don't have to postpone that. You don't have to deprive yourself of feeling the way that you want to feel. So Ben Shahar, again, the guy who kind of coined the arrival fallacy, he says that often people who experience the arrival fallacy start off unhappy and they reach for the goal that they think is going to cure their sadness. And then what they typically find is that the achievement of the goal doesn't fix their unhappiness. And so then they're left disappointed and they often feel hopeless and depressed. And oftentimes the arrival fallacy only makes the unhappiness that they were experiencing before that they set out to achieve the goal even worse. And their mental state gets even worse. And remember y'all that The achievement of a goal, the arrival at some future moment, the acquisition of something, all it is in our model, it's either going to be an R in the result line. And then once it becomes an R in our result line in our model, it's going to go to the C of a new model. It's going to become a circumstance. So remember, results and circumstances never have the ability to deliver an emotional experience to you. That's us being an emotional childhood. So one of the biggest things I want you to hear from this episode is that happiness is available to you right now. Security is available to you right now. Status is available to you right now. Purpose is available to you right now. Whatever it is that you are desiring to feel that you think is only available to you with the accomplishment of some future goal or when you arrive at some future place, it's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie that we have all been fed by society and by consumer culture to get you to spend more, to buy more, and to constantly be in that wanting state, in that desire state, in that dissatisfaction state. So here's a couple questions for you on this one. First, I need you to think about, are you somebody who currently, right now, and it could be anything, it could be with money, relationship status, career status, could be anything, But are you someone who is currently delegating your happiness, your purpose, how successful you feel to the accomplishment of the goal? Because y'all listen, it is not your goal's job to deliver a feeling to you. The goal cannot do that. The goal is simply just going to be a result or a circumstance. It does not have the ability to make you feel the way that you think that it's going to make you feel. And I think By this point in the episode, you can kind of see just like scientifically or psychologically, it's just not how it works. It's never going to deliver to you what you think it's going to deliver. But are you abdicating responsibility for how you feel to your goal? And I'm going to say it again. It is not your goal's job to make you feel good. That is your job. That is your responsibility. And the best news ever is, is that you don't have to wait to feel the way that you want to feel. If you want to feel happier, more successful, more secure, those emotions are available to you right now. So the second question you have to ask is, what is the emotion that I'm truly after? Remember, it's not the achievement of the goal that you're after. It's the emotional response that you think you're going to have with the accomplishment of the goal that you're after. 
So asking yourself the question, what is that emotion? What am I truly trying to get at with the accomplishment of this goal? And then the second, or I guess this is the third question that you can ask yourself is, how can I deliver that emotion to myself with where I am right now? How can I find happiness with what I have in this moment, with where I am in this moment? How can I find security in my financial situation right now? And I know for a lot of y'all, your brain is going to fight you and your brain might struggle to come up with answers because your brain is so committed to believing that you can't feel happy or safe or secure until you get the thing that you think that you need to feel that way. But I promise you, if you look for it, it is there. There are countless reasons and blessings that you have in this moment available right in front of you to feel the way that you want to feel. Stop delegating your emotions that are available to you right now to a future moment. When you do that, you are depriving yourself of all of the emotions that you could just be feeling right now. You are also abdicating the responsibility for how you feel to something that is not in charge and has no control over your emotions. Come back into emotional adulthood. Regain control over your emotions and ask yourself, what am I trying to feel? And then challenge yourself to come up with ways that you can create that emotional state right now with where you are today with what you have. The last tip I have for you here to round us out is to celebrate. Don't postpone celebration until you've arrived, until you've gotten to where you want to be. This is something that's called celebrating the micro wins. It's really important that you focus on smaller wins throughout your journey. Because when you can do that, for one, it's going to make you feel productive and happier. Celebrating your micro wins puts less pressure on the achievement of the main goal, of the bigger goal, right? When you can find like the little breadcrumbs and the little wins and the little celebrations along the way, it doesn't make the achievement of the big main goal seem so serious and so heavy. And it also allows you to experience sustainable happiness instead of little like short-lived bursts of joy only when you achieve something and then you have to go back to being dissatisfied. Now, this isn't how our brains work, right? Like we tend to focus on the finish line and we tend to focus on the biggest achievements. And many of us really struggle like to take the time and slow down and appreciate the small daily victories, those small micro wins. But micro wins are about celebrating the incremental accomplishments and going back to becoming someone that can enjoy the process and enjoy the journey. This is one of the best ways to turn yourself into that person is learning to celebrate the micro wins along the journey because micro wins don't celebrate the success. They celebrate progress. They celebrate forward movement. And the beauty of micro wins is that actually when you can do this consistently, when you're constantly celebrating the little things that go well, it's going to compound and it's going to create more micro wins for you. And micro wins are such a great way to build long lasting habits because when you're doing this and celebrating, you are creating positive feedback loops where your mind will actually come to associate the progress that you're making with happiness. So that is how you actually become someone who can enjoy the journey, who can find happiness and fulfillment and purpose 
from the journey rather than the destination is when you can learn to celebrate those tiny micro moments along the way. So maybe you're somebody who wants to get out of credit card debt. Every single time that you make a payment towards that credit card debt, you celebrate. Every single time you make the decision not to make the impulse buy and to put something back onto that credit card, you celebrate. Every single time something comes up that you have the cash to pay for, that you are prepared for, you celebrate that. You celebrate every little win along the way. Because when you can find happiness along the way and across the entire journey, that is what also will be waiting for you at the finish line when you've arrived, when you've accomplished the goal, when you've paid off the credit card debt versus torturing yourself the entire time, indulging in shame, indulging in guilt, constantly being like, this isn't enough. It's not a big deal. I should be doing this anyways. Indulging in the negativity, indulging in the lack. Guess what's going to happen when you arrive? That is how you're going to feel when you arrive. So celebrating the micro wins. We've said it on this podcast before, but celebration is necessary for brain change. And this is just a way that you can start those small, tiny celebrations. So that is the arrival fallacy, y'all. I know we covered a lot in today's episode, but again, I know this is something that you're doing and it's something that I certainly do. I am so, so guilty of this. I think We all are as human beings. We've just all been programmed to associate the arrival at a future destination to feeling the way that we want to feel. And we are constantly putting off the way that we want to feel until we get there, until we arrive. But hopefully you can see that there is another way. There's another option. We don't have to do that because in fact, the arrival isn't what's going to make us happy. It's the journey to the end destination that will. Feel free to share this episode. If you got a lot out of this one, if you enjoyed it, two things that would mean a lot to me. One, if you would just take 60 seconds to rate the podcast, either on Spotify or on iTunes, Apple, just click those five stars, write something, leave a review about this specific episode. And also don't be shy about sharing this on social. If you listened, share it on your Instagram, tag me at overcoming underscore overspending. It would mean so much to me. Send it to the people in your life who you know need to hear this. And again, hope this one helped you. I love you guys, and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in Overcoming Overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's hundred percent risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.